This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Steve Vickers in Christian Life Church in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com. Romans 8.28 says this. I'll read it exactly in the NIV. And we know that in all things God works for good, for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. Now that's, that can be tough scripture to take in. That we didn't say all things are caused by God. But if you allow Him, God will take all things and work them towards good for you. For those that love Him, those that trust Him, okay, and are called to His purpose. Now, call to His purpose. You have been called. You're born again. You're a child of God. God sent His Son. He died for you. Uh, you're called to His purpose, okay? That doesn't mean you have to be a preacher somewhere, the five-fold ministry. It doesn't mean that at all. But for those people, people that are called by God to His purposes, which you are as believers. Now, He says, if, you, if those that love Him, and you do, then all things will work together towards your good. Can you say all things? Now, what exclusions are in there? He said all things. Now, we're, we're going to touch there and I'll just kind of feel how you feel. If, if you get a little bit like, oh, preacher, don't go there, I'll back off a little bit, okay? And, um, but I want to take you there. Not everything that we've gone through in life has felt good, has it? It hasn't. Y'all hear real good. I hear y'all great. Uh, keep it up. But not everything in life that happens to us is good, feels good, or we wonder how can any good come from this? All right? But yet God said, for those that love me and those that are called to my purpose, he said, I will make all things work together for good. You can imagine God making all things work together towards good for you in your life. Now, that's all things, and we can think of some things that have happened that are pretty tragic to us. We can think of some things that were pretty bad to us. That how can any good come from this? Well, I want to be careful how I say it because you can sound insensitive because some people were abused. Some people suffered some serious loss in family members. And I'm not belittling the pain or anything like that. Some people have lost a lot of money. And yet, he says that I'll work all things toward your good. He doesn't cause all things. He doesn't cause all things. It rubs me the wrong way when I hear him say, well... Well, you know, the Lord, let, the Lord did this to me so he could, he could teach me a lesson. Look, I got better ways to learn than that. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Some things I got better ways to learn than that. And uh, <clears throat> then something really bad or tragic happening to me. Now, I choose to learn a different way. But he says that all things, all things. I remember when my mother was dying. She's 58 years old. We found out she had cancer when she was uh, about 57. And uh, they said she had three months to live. And my mother and I had just gotten in a big argument. Because you know how women are? All right? I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you know how men are? But we got in an argument about something. And it wasn't a couple days later I found out that she had terminal cancer. They said she had about three months to live. So I'm thinking, God, I can't. Be ready for this in three months. I want her to live. Now, the other day, I probably didn't want her to live. We were arguing about something. But I really did. I do. I want her to live. But now, if she's not, you need to give me about a year to prepare for this, because this is big. Now, I know it doesn't like the biggest faith statement in the world. But in that year, because my mother died about a year later, we were at youth camp. Uh, I was about to minister to the teenagers in about 45 minutes. I got one of the worst phone calls I could have ever gotten. They told me your mother was going to die. She's got terminal cancer, metastatic cancer, source unknown. You know, it doesn't look good, Brian. And I got 45 minutes to go minister to all your teenagers. And I can't stop crying. I mean, I can stop boohooing with my mouth, but my ear, my eyes, they just ain't stopping. And so we worked through all that. We worked that out. And I still ministered that night. And then I went on to my room and took everybody home the next day. 
dropped everybody off, drove straight to Louisiana. And all things worked together for our good. God didn't cause all things. But I went to see my mother, and I thought, man, I got some crow to eat. I run my mouth. I said some things I not said. You know, what she did wasn't her, my responsibility. What I did was my responsibility. So, so I go to see my mother. <clears throat> my mother's in the back room. She's laid up on the bed. They drove her to Louisiana because they were taking her to Texas to the MD Anderson out there in Houston. I think that's what, if I'm saying that right. Uh, anyway, out there in Houston. And the last time me and my mother spoke to each other, it was a little rough, you know. And uh, so I get there. She's laid on the bed, you know. And she tells everybody to get out of the room. Uh, all y'all leave. Not you. All y'all leave. Not you. I'm like, oh, great. Because we're all raised Catholic. And there's a thing we call good old Catholic guilt. You know, it's real motivating, all right? It gets the job done. You put it on thick. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I thought, here it comes. Well, it didn't. Here's what came out of her mouth. I'm leaning up against talking to her, and I said, Mom, Mother, or Mama, I said, Mama, Mama, about, and she goes, shh. And she grabbed the back of my head and pulled my head down to her chest. He said, you don't have to say a word. She said, all that matters is that you love me and I love you. And that's all that has ever mattered. And we've just been sidetracked. But that was it. That changed everything. That changed everything. And so for the next year, we spent getting closer and going through everything. And I mean, almost a year to the day, it was at the beginning of August that I found out she was sick. And at the end of July, July 26th, on Saturday morning, 6.35, her heart stopped beating. She took her last breath about 6.30. Her heart quit at 6.35. And that's it. She'd gone on to be with the Lord. And it was over. But in that year, what happened was she had uh, everything about our relationship changed. And she was a hard lady. She's a nice lady, but she's just hard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she was. She, you didn't have to worry about understanding what she meant when she said it. Okay? It was clear. You got it. And you had to recover from it sometimes. <laughs> but you understood. Well, that was a good thing. That came out of a bad thing. Now, God didn't cause the bad thing so that this good thing can come. But out of something that was tragic... God did cause something that was good for me to come out of that. See, becoming born again and leaving the Catholic faith um, and becoming a Pentecostal preacher, that ticked everybody in my family off. They didn't like that. You can do anything but that. And so it put rifts in my family all the way up to the grandparents and great-grandfather. It made everybody upset. I didn't know it made everybody upset. I thought they'd be happy. But, you know, you, 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 they didn't. And so there was an embarrassment that was attached to that in my family. You know, there, was, there was a little bit of shame there. And, you know, so, and I caused that by doing what I did, by getting born again. All I did was get saved, man. I didn't kill nobody. But now, but it had an effect on our family. And so for that to be fixed uh, was huge. Because it was a rift that couldn't come out at all. Every time we got together at family meetings, it came up. Now, one thing that did happen in this time, too, is um, <clears throat> my mother uh, had invited me in the course of this time to a Benny Hinn crusade. Now, my mother's Catholic, not born again, just, she's Catholic. But Benny Hinn, you know, he got the little comb over thing going, and he, and he got the little Catholic looking outfit. He looks Catholic enough to be approved by the Catholic Administration of Families and Mothers of America, okay? And so Benny Hinn looked Catholic enough. And uh, with his medallion and thing he wears, and his hair looking like the hat thing that they wear. So he passed. Now, Rod Parsley, she couldn't stand for nothing. She would cuss you over Rod Parsley. Couldn't stand him. But love Benny Hinn. I'm like, Lord, however you're going to work it out, that's fine. So my mother invites me to a Benny Hinn crusade so I can get my act together. I'm in. 
I'm in. All things work together for our good. Now check this out. My mother invites me to a Benny Hinn crusade. My dad ain't nowhere to be found. Okay, he was there at the hotel, but he didn't come to the meeting. So it's me, my mother, <laughs> and my wife. And I'm debating whether I should tell you what was really said or if I should kind of tone it down for you. Because if I told you what really said, you'd laugh till it's not ran at your nose. You would laugh like crazy. But here's what happened. We're at the Benny Hinn Crusade. We're at the, I think it's a Jefferson Coliseum up there. And we're way in the back. I mean, you can't get further away except for get outside. We're way up top, way in the back. And Benny Hinn, he's about this tall. You can still see his outfit. He looks Catholic. And he teaches a good message. It's great. And then he comes down to the salvation part. Mind you, my, mother, my, my wife is right here. I'm in the middle. And my mother is right to my right side. <clears throat> he gives an altar call. All things work for our good. He gives an altar call. And there's, there's 20,000 people there if there's one. Salvation altar call, raise your hand. If you did, pray this prayer, all that. Does all that. Well, he does the raising the hand part. And I see this little hand to my right go up like this. Now, I'm wanting to turn my head. But I'm not wanting to get slapped in the face. So I'm looking straight, okay? I'm wanting to turn my head. I'm just kind of turning my eyes. And they're about to fall out in my head, you know, a bit. And I hit my wife like this, and my mother's hand is like this for salvation. She says she wants to make sure she's born again. All things are working together for our good. And then my wife hits me like she's letting me know. I'm like, I told you, you know, look. <laughs> and then he leads them through the sinner's prayer. And I put my hand on my mother's shoulder. And um, I kind of tell her, well, here's what they're praying. This is why they're doing it. Just start explaining like I would anybody else. And the words aren't magic. It's an invitation. We're inviting the Lord in to change us. She was okay. So she prayed that prayer. <laughs> and then here comes the fun part. She raised her hand. She prayed the prayer. <laughs> and he said, now, if all of y'all that raised your hand and prayed that prayer, he says, he says, I want you to come down to the front. And I'll just intimate what was said. I just won't tell you, all right? I would, but I don't want to be responsible for somebody going, that's it, I'm going somewhere else. My mother goes, boy, let me tell you something. I'll raise my hand, and I'll pray that prayer, but I'll be, <clears throat> if I'm going to walk in front of all these people and go down to the front. And I went, that's all right, mama. The Lord can take it from right here. <laughs> But you fill in the blank. I'll be, and if I'm going to walk all the way down the front. Now, if I was a prison ministry, I'd t uh, you was a pr if I was a prison ministry, I'd get to tell folks because they, they don't care. Man, I start laughing. And then, and I tell that story other places. I hadn't told her here that much. But all things were working for our, all of our good. God didn't make my mother sick. But he led her to his son from it. It caused her to reunite with her son. Caused her to unite with his son. And so, and I don't remember really hearing her complain. You know, I did notice that my mother had a perfectly shaped head. That if I ever went bald, I don't have to worry about having ditches and dents and all that stuff in my head. My head all looked pretty good because she lost all of her hair. But everything worked towards our good. Now, it wasn't a fun time exactly to say, to say it wasn't fun, but there was mending that took place the whole time. If you'll allow God to work in your life, it rains on the just, it rains on the unjust. So you look at that two different ways. You can look at rain as a good thing or a bad thing or, or whatever. But however, it rains on both of us. Rain to me is a good thing. So good things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people sometimes, but good things happen to good folks too. But all things, if we love him, we're called to his purpose. They'll work, he'll work them towards our good. Now some things are, are very, very tough, and we don't understand it all when it happens. I, I know that.
And this situation was one of those for me because I was 35 years old. I was just about to take over the church. My mother was dying of cancer. I was just taking over the church. My mother's dying of cancer. It was very stressful for me. But in Romans 8, 28, again, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. It takes faith to believe that. That things don't work out perfect for you, yet God's going to work His purpose through you. Now, the Bible says this. It says in Philippians, it says that, um, uh, how does it say it? God works in you to will and to do his plans. God works in you to will and to do His will. Now I want you to turn with me to, um, we're going to turn to Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, we're going to talk there for a little bit. Can you still understand me okay? Did y'all, were y'all able to fill in the blank of what my mother said? Yeah, y'all got it. All right, good deal. I figured you would. You should have been there, man. It was, it was hilarious. I, I didn't know what, I, like, and I'm, I never heard of such, but uh, I'll raise my hand and I'll, I'll pray the prayer. That's funny. Now look, in, in Romans, okay, we're talking about, um, actually, what I want to really talk about was us finding our way and working, finding our purpose and walking with what God has for us to do, walking in the course that he's laid before us. Stay here in Proverbs, Proverbs 16, actually. In, uh, in Hebrews, don't turn there, it says that um, there's a course that's laid out before us. A course. You know what a course is, right? Just imagine a roadway. It says there's a course that's laid out before us. And it says to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us that we might run with perseverance or run with, uh, with faith, uh, run with uh, perseverance or run with confidence, I should say, not faith, uh, confidence, the race that has been set before us. There is, a, there is a course, there is a path that God has for you. There's a journey. The good thing is that God said also, he says, I'm a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So even though you can see part of the journey, you can't see it all, but he'll illuminate the steps you need to take. He'll illuminate a safe way for you, a way for you to maneuver through that path. Now, along the way, things are going to happen. Some folks might die. Some bad things might happen. Good things might happen. There's things that life is going to come to you in various, there's going to be distractions, uh, good and bad. But always, through the Word of God, He says, I'll illuminate a path for you. That even though all these things are coming at you, you'll still be able to see safe steps or steps to take. You know, when you, um, you drive across the road, if you drove across uh, the, uh, the country at night, your headlights only shine about 220 feet. But with that little bit of space, you can drive 3,500 miles from New York City to Los Angeles, California, 3,000 miles, whatever, 3,000 miles. You can drive that 3,000 miles from New York to Los Angeles only seeing 200 feet. You don't have to see 3,000 miles. You just need to see 200 feet. And this is where our faith comes in, that we don't know what's too far down the road. And sometimes, you know, if you're going too fast, something's, the big old cow, man, we almost hit a cow. Uh, you hit a cow in a car and that's a bad, that's an over with, the car's done. But we almost hit an animal in the road, a cow, deer a couple of times. But, you know, all of a sudden it's on you. And you're slamming brakes, trying not to uh, hit the thing, you know, turning. And uh, because you came up on it so fast, it was just there and you had to react. <clears throat> There's things in our life that happen that way. They just seem to sneak right up on us. Now, understand they never snuck up on God. They didn't. And so God still has the path illuminated. And so no matter what, all of a sudden is in that 200 feet, you know, you can still see your way and be able to maneuver either around it or through it. Because there are things that are going to come at us that it's just, we're just going to have to deal with. They take a little time. Uh, sometimes people really hurt your feelings bad. They crush you. you might end up getting divorced over it. Um, might be betrayed by a friend or something like that. And and it takes a little bit longer to traverse, to traverse that little 200 feet right there. It might take a little while, but you still see, because he said, my lamp into your feet and a light into your path. And I'll work good out of every situation that comes, no matter how bad it is, I'll, I'll work good towards you. I'm going to make sure some good comes at your, your way uh, in this situation. I'm going to bring some good to you. And I want you to uh, trust me in this. Worst thing we can do, we don't... If something happens to us or something doesn't go perfect like we want, the last thing we want to do is just throw God out with it. 
You know, I tell the Lord sometimes when things happen, I go, I got here following you. All right. In other words, I ain't too happy with what's going on right now. No, I got here following you. So I don't say necessarily this is your fault. But I'm just saying you were with me this whole time. We were walking together in this. And I ended up in this. Well, you know, the Bible says that even Jesus ended up in the desert walking with the Holy Ghost. He didn't have any food or water. And there the devil was waiting on him. And who took him into the desert? <laughs> the Spirit of God took him into the desert. And yet, that same Spirit brought him out. It's the same Spirit that brought the Egyptians into the desert. And what they do? What did you bring us out here for, Moses? Man, what is wrong with you? But they didn't have enough graves. This is how they're real smart, Alec. They didn't have enough graves in Egypt, so you come out here so we can dig holes in the sand and put us in it? Huh? Like it wasn't bad enough over there, so you got to be inventive and create more bad stuff for us to have? What is wrong with you? We're going back. It was the Spirit of God that led them into the desert, into the wilderness, and it was the Spirit of God that led them all the way through. You understand this world we walk through is not redeemed. This journey that we're on is through enemy territory. We don't, we're not walking around. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about in the Spirit. We're walking through enemy territory every day. Every day. And the guns are firing and the bombs are going off. They are. And you better be ducking under the word and staying covered in prayer, okay, and running with the Holy Ghost, keeping your butt from getting shot. And so while this is going on all around us, he says, I am your refuge, and I am your strength. I am your strong tower. I am wings around you, he says. And so he is our covering. He is our rear guard. He is the wall of fire in the front. He's the wall of fire in the back. You have to trust. We're going through enemy territory. And I want to make sure that when... I'm exposed to these attacks and things they do come that I don't forget that he's on my side. He's not the enemy. If he was the enemy, he'd already be dead. And so you don't forsake the Lord because life happens. He says, through all things, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm telling you, how many of you ever wrecked a car? How many of you ever wrecked a car? Come on, ain't nobody going to tell you. Insurance company, come on, put your hand up. All right, then. Did you walk here or did you drive? You drove, didn't you? Now, you didn't quit driving. How many of y'all ever had an argument with your spouse? Because like I said, you know how women are. No, just kidding. No, men are too. You ever argue with your spouse? Come on, women, you put your, it wasn't an argument, I was right the whole time. <laughs> it wasn't an argument, he was just being hard-headed. Women, wave at me, you ever argue with your spouse? Come on now, wave at me a little bit. All right, the rest of y'all liars. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what are you going to start dating the same sex now? Are you going to quit it? So you argue with a woman, so you're going to start dating men? Heck No. You're going to quit your wife just because you argued with her one time and she might have been right? Because, you know, once she's right, she ain't ever wrong. You know what I mean? You know I'm just playing. I love my wife. That's why I can talk smack when she's not here. All right? Uh, and so, but just because if you have an argument with your wife doesn't mean you just call it quits. We don't give up on other things. And so we don't give up in our walk with God either. We don't stop in our walk with Him because we're in a fight. And it's not, necessar- it's not going to be necessarily guaranteed to be easy. But I got to trust that all things are going to work towards good when things are happening in my life. Because it's not, you know, um, uh, well, I don't get the history stuff. But in any major war, there's not anybody that won every battle. They suffered severe losses, but yet they still won. But they still won. Now, all right, what, what are some other things that the scripture tells us? It says, I'm a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. 
God works in you to will and to do. Um, you know, commit, that's what I was going to do in Proverbs chapter 16. It says this, commit to the Lord whatever you do. Commit to the Lord whatever you're going to do. And your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for his own ends. And uh, another place that says, in a man's heart he plans his course, but God determines the steps. See, now you have the right to make some choices. And you're finding your purpose and you're walking the walk that God has for you. On your journey, you get to make choices. You do get to make choices. People think there's only one perfect thing. Like there's only one thing you can decide. And I, and I just disagree. There's only one thing you decide. And if you get it wrong, you're out. That, uh, hopefully nobody thinks like that still. But do you know that in your heart, you make a decision about things. Now, trust in God. They don't make a decision to go um, live crazy. For those that, that love God, you know, you make it, what in your heart, what's in your heart, what is there that God has placed in you to do? As you go towards that, and it's not going to be an unholy thing, not going to be an ungodly thing. You dedicate your decision to the Lord, and he says that your way will prosper. And that he'll also order your steps. You want to get in business. Don't spend 10 years trying to figure out if it's the Lord's will you get in business. If you're serving God, you know how you're living. And there's something of burden in your heart, I think it's coming in your heart. Then make a decision to pursue. Commit it to the Lord first. And let see if he's going to prosper it. Commit it to the Lord and watch him prosper it. And allow him to illuminate the steps. Because he'll show you the path to take. you got a choice. You chose your spouse. If you don't like him, it's your fault. <laughs> you did choose somebody to marry, didn't you? You could have chosen somebody else, didn't you? Couldn't you? No, there's the only one. Mm. There's six and a half billion people around, seven billion people around. You could have picked somebody else, but you picked one. And that made them the one. You know, so you pick somebody, but you had a choice. You know, you choose who you give your heart to. You do. So you chose someone and you start to build your life together. And I know some people got to make a change along the way. I'm not criticizing divorce folks and everything. And, uh, you know, I've been in counseling sessions and everything. And, I've, and my advice to them was, mm, y'all better go y'all separate ways. For one of y'all ends up in the grave, and the other one ends up in jail, all right? Uh, I didn't want to say it, but I did. And, um, uh, but, I mean, I understand that. I'm not talking just about that, but we make a decision. And so you've chosen a course and let God order the steps. So my wife and I, 24 years will be this July, we chose a course together, dedicated to the Lord, but let him order the steps. Now, it doesn't mean that it's always easy. But anything worth having is worth fighting for. Anything worth having is worth fighting for. And that's one thing I tell any married couple. Always fight for something. Don't fight against each other. Even if you fight with each other about something, you argue about something. Make sure you're fighting for something. Because sometimes, guys, when you win, you lose. You know what I'm saying? And so make sure you're always fighting for something. And God knows the difference, and so do you. So... All things work together for our good. I remember um, right when we were about to get married, it seemed like, man, we just kind of just got at it. Just, it. You know, it's weird. You uh, start arguing with each other about stuff because the stress of getting married. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there? Because you're thinking, Lord, I thank you for this woman. Lord, what were you thinking? You know, <laughs> and she's saying the same thing. God, I thank you for this husband. Mm. Pick somebody else, God. <laughs> but right as we're about to get married, it's just all that tension that was coming up. We got past it and moved on. Do you know that your emotions really should be used to convey understanding? They should bring about us not to destroy or hurt. Your anger has a place. Your joy, your, uh, you know, all the feelings you have, they have a place in communication, but they don't, they shouldn't run you. 
They don't run you. So anyway, so he says here in uh, uh, Proverbs 16, commit whatever you do to the Lord, commit whatever you do to him, and your plans will succeed. In the heart of man makes his plans, uh, plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We put all things will work together for my good. All things will work, there'll be good that works its way towards me. God, God doesn't make it all happen. But he can cause good to come from things. He can bring, because that's what he is. He is good. The Bible says he is love. And so anything that passes through him is going to be filtered like that. So even though he didn't cause my mother to have cancer, through that, our relationship was restored, and her relationship with his son was restored. That's good to come out. It didn't have to be that way, but that was good to come out. The others, some of y'all hold on to... um, if you just let me talk for a little while. Is this okay for, so far? All right. Uh, some of y'all hold on to some unforgiveness. You always hear people talk about unforgiveness, and preachers talk about unforgiveness, and we have a moment we pray and we go on. Now, I told you before, it's a process. Now, let me just be clear about a couple things, because then we're, we'll go to the next thing. I'm just going to see what I sense in my heart that I ought to do. Um, when people violate you, they betray you, they hurt you, um, and... They did it. They are guilty. There ain't no change in it. They did it. They knew they did it when they did it, and they did it anyways. And doggone it, you're going to make them pay. They're going to hear about it every time at Thanksgiving. They're going to hear about it every time at Christmas. If you could dream in telepathy and send it to them, you'd send it to them every night. But the Bible says that we are to walk in forgiveness. And if we can't forgive, the Bible says we can't be forgiven. Now, there's things that are processes that they stem from a decision, but then they're a process, like making a baby. This is, you know what I'm saying? That there's a moment of conception, but it ain't ready yet. By 10 months, nine, 10 months, whatever. And uh, something like that. This is an elephant, and it's two years, 24 months. I don't get it. But anyway, uh, so there's conception, and then there's. 10-month process before there's birth. Nine, nine, 10, whatever. You were there, but you don't remember. <laughs> they say, it ain't not, ladies, have y'all had a baby in nine months or did it take closer to 10? Did y'all see the size of my baby's head? It took 10 months to make that baby's head that big. It took 10 months to make that baby's head that big. You don't make a head that big in nine months. That baby had to be born in shifts, all right? Ten, probably 12 months for all we know. And some of y'all are laughing. Y'all look like y'all had about 13-month head on y'all shoulders right there. You know it. But that baby, between 9 and 10... <laughs> don't know nothing about birthing no babies. <laughs> so, nine months. Doggone it. Okay? There's conception, but there's nine months till there's a till there's a baby. There's a birth. There's a baby there the whole time, but it's not ready. Nine months. In a day, there's birth. Listen, forgiveness is a process you got to be committed to. If you're going to truly forgive somebody and be free, the Bible says that this word will set you free. If you're going to really genuinely forgive someone, that doesn't mean you have to be their friend. They got to be buddy buddy to go on vacation together and look at them all the time. I can love you from afar just like I could hate you from afar. I could love you from afar. But to be genuinely in your heart, through with the process, the gestation period of forgiveness, it takes time. There is a moment, we'll call it conception, when you say, I choose to forgive, but I don't feel like it yet. And we got into explaining a little bit last time, but we'll take a little bit more time today. Because I can pray all these prayers and say, Lord, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. I pray you give them a wonderful wife. Uh, bless their kids. Let money come to them. Bless them beyond their wildest dreams. And on the inside, you're going, I don't mean anything. Tasha said it the other day. He said, you changed my want tos. And see, and that's what you do. You change, God, I don't mean it, but I want to. And if you can recognize when it comes to this area of forgiveness and everything and some issues, because see, forgiveness isn't something to do, it's something you are. It needs to be who you are. Just like God is love, do you need to operate in forgiveness more than just uh, uh, moments in time, but it is what you operate in. People say stuff to me, and I might get mad, but I'm past it. 
Now, I'm pretty good at getting past it. There's some people that can <clears throat> keep me around for a while in that arena. You know what I'm saying? They can make you mad for a minute. Lord, I ain't had that word pass through my mind in 20 years, you know, and, you know, make you want to cuss. Okay? You thought you got rid of all of them, but you found one. All right? You found one word left. You found it. You really want to use it, but you're holding on to it because you don't want to, you don't, you might need it for somebody else later on. Okay? <laughs> and so, forgiveness, we choose to, and we feed the process. There's conception, and then we begin to feed it, just like we would the mother begins to eat and take care of herself to make sure that, well, that baby is growing inside of her. She cares for herself. There's, if she smokes, she probably stops smoking. If she's drinking, she probably quit drinking. If she, if she's, uh, what helps? She might be walking a little bit now. Maybe she doesn't eat the things she used to eat. She's taking care of herself because she's taking care of what's growing inside of her. And when you say that you want to forgive somebody, y'all, you got to be willing to take care of what God has just placed inside of you. You got to be willing to care for what you've said that you want, because there's folks really. If I had. I always said, boy, I'm glad God doesn't have it. You get to kill one person in your life and no questions asked. I would have used mine a long time ago and lied and said I didn't use it and try to use it again. Okay? <laughs> Am I wrong? Look at your neighbor because it probably was your neighbor. All right? So, but I, I sit there and I realize I can't stop thinking about what they did. I can't let it go. When I go to pray, I end up praying, I end up right back there. You should tell my wife, when they end up in my bedroom, I don't mean literally, when they end up in my bedroom, I got to deal with them. Because when I'm laying on my wife, we're watching TV and hanging out in bed and, and talking everything, reading the Bible, all that, you know, and uh, we're sitting there in the bedroom and I'm thinking about this person I want to punch in the face that I wish I didn't have to deal with anymore, and I'm with you, and I can't stop thinking about them, they got to go. Some, I've got to fix this. You know what? You've been there? And, you know, them apologizing to you doesn't fix it anyway. Am I right? They probably said they were sorry. Yeah, no, you're sorry. That's why we're fighting, because you were sorry. All right? That's why we're arguing, because you're sorry. And a few other words that I won't use right now, but you are sorry. You're going to protect what's on the inside of you? Because you know what? It is literally like you drinking poison and hoping that they die when you walk in unforgiveness towards people and you can't let it go. When you can't let it go... When you can't let it go, it is literally you drinking the poison. I'm going to kill you. What's it? And you drink it and hope they die. And do you know that people can be guilty of wrong? They become innocent and then you become guilty. If you can't let it go, if you, can't, you don't know what they did, let me tell you something. It don't matter. They ain't nothing new under the sun. Some things might take a little longer. Nine months or ten months, depending on how big the baby's head's going to be. But the Bible says that you can do all things through Christ, and we only associate that with things that make me big and good and great, and not with this. But he says, I can do all things through Christ. You're going to walk in your journey. You're going to find your will and walk in your purpose. You're going to have people that are going to try to knock you off course. Or the enemy, really, because the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual principalities and rulers and wickedness of darkness in high places. And so it's really not them you're fighting against anyways. But remember, you're in a battle, and you better duck under the word and cover under prayer and run with the Holy Ghost because you are in a battle whether you know what's going on or not. And you know, people worry about an unforgivable sin. I can tell you one right now. <sighs> Having a big-headed baby. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and that is this. If you will not forgive, the Bible says that you cannot receive forgiveness. You read the book of Mark. It'll say it twice. It'll say it twice. And it doesn't mean that they can't, they broke you. They can't fix you. I wish Aunt Susie would just apologize for, for my heart. Then I could just move on. No, Aunt Susie ain't going to help you jack squat. She can't set you free. When you break your car, do you take it down to Walmart? Or do you take it to a mechanic? Because all the people I've ever met are good at breaking souls, but can't none of them fix one. But I know someone who can. 
And if I'm going to take my soul to be repaired, I'm going to take it to the one who created it, who can repair it. But if you think a person can apologize and that apology has the healing power of the Holy Ghost, you are mistaken and hard headed. And you know what? You're going to be hurt for a long time. And you know what? There's, there's not a proverb, but stupid should hurt. That's what you ever read the read things that stupid should hurt. I realized one time I was really needing this person to fit. And I'm like, well, I'm being stupid. It's supposed to hurt because all they can do is break you. You know, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. How true is that in marriage or with your kids or with friends that they've wronged you bad? But love covers. You see it come up when you're mad at your child. And then your sister jump in there and say, yeah, you're a sorry child. I agree. Girl, I will cut you. <laughs> All of a sudden, the love for that child has covered. Am I wrong? You sitting there wishing you hadn't talking about your kid thinking, oh, my gosh, I just want to beat the brakes off of that child. Just whip him until he just can't even stand up anymore. And your sister jumping there, dude, beat him. He deserves it. He's a sorry thing anyway, just like his daddy or something like that. And then all of a sudden, your defense love covers. (laughs) You allow love to cover. Whenever things happen and you can't forgive, you ain't got enough love to cover. There's not enough love in you yet to cover. Because the thing is, is that the unforgiveness that comes, it might have been a legitimate reason for you to be broken. A legitimate reason for you to be broken. But you know, your body is designed to mend itself. You break a leg, the bone will grow back together. They found bodies uh, buried for hundreds of years and stuff, and actually the femur, I think there's a femur right here. Uh, oh, I was wondering what that was. I thought either somebody going to shoot me or never mind, it's um, the red dot is a microphone. Never mind. I thought... <laughs> I thought we got terrorists in the building. <laughs> I'm looking for somebody that looks like they're from someplace else. <laughs> I didn't make any ethnic insinuation. I'm just saying. Good. <laughs> but uh, where was I? I left it over here. We're talking about following, getting on our journey, finding our purpose. The Bible says that we have a course that's laid before us. We choose a direction, and the Bible says, commit your way unto the Lord and let him order your steps. He said he'll illuminate your steps, and a lamp into your feet, a light into your path, and he'll guide your steps. He'll, he'll walk you in a direction. Unforgiveness, and it operates in you. It is, the Bible says there's always a reason for us to walk in. We'll always have a reason to not forgive. It says it. You'll always have one. But you take up offense. You really have to take up an offense. You have to take it up. It can be legitimate. People can hurt you on purpose. They knew they were doing it when they did it. But why does it continue to bother me? Why can't I let it go? Love covers. So what I did was, with my deal, I would pray for these individuals, you know, and uh, it wasn't church people or anything like that. This is other stuff. And, and I would pray for individuals that I knew that it was something I had to deal with because it was everywhere. It was in my bedroom. If I go see, uh, it was in my room. Uh, it was in my dreams. The first thing I thought about when I woke up in the morning, and uh, if they would apologize, they still couldn't fix it. And so I began to cover them. And every morning, I still get up early, but not this early. I get up at 5 o'clock. I said, I used to pray like this. I had my alarm set to get up for work. I said, now, Lord, if you want me to get up, you got to wake me up. You don't wake me up, I guess you don't want me to get up. That ain't scriptural, but it'll work. Right? <laughs> so I said, Lord, you want me to get up, just get me up. I'd wake up in the middle of the night, but I was still real tired. Oh, that's not what I meant. <laughs> if you want me up, you got to get me up. <laughs> and so I started waking up at 4, it was like 4.26. It was like almost every morning. I look over that clock and it's 4.26. So I'm like, get behind me, Satan. Roll back to bed. <laughs> then next morning it's 4.26. I'm like, I better not call this Satan again. Let me get up. And I began to pray and stretch my hand in the general direction where I thought this person might be. And I begin to speak blessing over their life. I begin to speak the word of God over them and declare the word of God and admit 
that I didn't mean it. Admit where I was. Are you going to lie to God? Come on now. Really? I'm going to pull one past him? It'll be the first time. And so I would sit there and I would pray, but I would speak the word over them. And you know what? I let, let God deal with them. Let vengeance be the Lord's. He's good at it. The thing is, God can do it and all of a sudden make them your brother or your sister instead of an enemy. And so we speak the word. I speak the word over them. And I, in my heart, I knew I was lying. But I would still prophesy the word over them. I say lying. I wasn't lying. I wanted to mean it. I just couldn't mean it yet. But I could still say it. Because my feelings were lying to me. And that's what feelings do. They lie to you. Well, I don't mean it, so I may as well. I thought it. I may as well do it. No. No. Your feelings will lie to you because I know that I prayed and I said, God, I choose to forgive. And just because I can't do it, there's something wrong with me. There ain't nothing wrong with your word. So I'm going to make this happen by your strength because you said I can do all things. And I don't plan on doing this forever. And so I pray the word over them. Are you listening to me? This will keep you from walking in everything that pastor's been talking about. If you can't walk in forgiveness just like you walk in them shoes, you will stop yourself in your tracks of what God has for you. Because what's cursed ain't going to be blessed. What's blessed ain't going to be cursed. So I choose blessing. Like I said last week, I choose, I put before you blessing and cursing. And just in case you ain't got sense to make the right choice, I always used to say that to the teenagers, I tell you which one to pick. Choose blessing. Don't be an idiot. It's a good thing I didn't write the Bible. <laughs> I'd write all that stuff in there too. Look, don't be a moron. <laughs> Choose this way. Choose it. And then he will back you up. But it is only by his word, by his spirit that I can live for him. It's only through him, by him, that I can live for him. I don't mean to make that complicated, but it is only by his strength that I can do what he's asked me to do. And so if I have conceived that I want to forgive this individual or these individuals over the course of my life, and I can't mean it yet, it is my responsibility to make sure that baby is born. It is my responsibility to make sure that it comes all the way to fruition because there are things in the future that my right now is preparing me for. And if I can't get it right now, I'm not going to get it right then. If I can't do it now, if I can't practice where I am, then I won't be able to have it later. And I'm telling you, you can just bank on it. People are going to hurt you. And the Bible says that they're really not the issue. They're not. Because if God demonstrated to us, or he did, how it is to be, that though you were my enemy, I sent my son. That though you hated me, I loved you. If God can do it, we can do it. But he's God, but he made us just like him. He made us just like him. And I want you to think for a moment about somebody you know that is bitter, that nothing is never their fault. You thinking of somebody right now? Don't look at nobody. Don't look at them. It's easy to point a finger now. That is always bitter. That is always their fault. I mean, it's always somebody else's fault. It ain't never their fault that they always knew something bad was going to happen. They always expected the worst. Negative always comes out of their mouth. Think about that person. You got one. You could be one and not even know it. And if you can't operate in forgiveness, you are on your way. Because <laughs> those who sow after the sinful nature reap the fruit of the sinful nature. And to refuse to forgive is operating in the sinful nature. It doesn't matter. 
If people could walk in forgiveness about certain things, if they could, if they could get past, generally let them get past things, what well, divorce rate would go down. I'm not criticizing people for getting divorced. I'm not. I'm not judging at all. Kids and parents would get along later in life. Every time I do a funeral, every time I do a funeral, I don't even have to pray about it anymore. I can just say something along these lines. And after the funeral's over, somebody will invariably come up to me and say, Preacher, I swear it was like you were at our house last night. Oh, I know. I don't have to have the Lord tell me. (laughs) You just got to have more than two people in the same room. You put family in the same room. And they're only coming together because somebody died. And if they didn't, if they could choose, they put somebody else in that casket, more than likely. But you, you know, if you can't conquer this, it will bind you. Here's what the word says. Mark 11, about 25. And when you stand praying, well, 23, saying of this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and it goes on. Then it says, and when you stand praying, If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so your Father in heaven can forgive you. You want to say, add this in there? So he'll hear your prayer. Because you hadn't prayed the right thing until you started to get that right. He says, I'll turn my face from the proud. Turn my head away. You know the only other place he said that? He said it when his son was about to die. And turn his face. Turn from, isn't that right? Isn't that, didn't it say it there? Did he say he turned, it depends on which translation, that he turned away from his son because his son became sin. He said he resists the proud, but he'll give grace to a humble person. You can be jacked up in a bunch of areas, but you master this area, and you can walk in forgiveness, then you can run the course with perseverance and with confidence that God set before you. You will succeed in life. You will be able to, to have the Scripture's blessings manifest in your life. He says this, and when you bring your offering, read it in Mark, and when you bring your offering to the altar, I'm going to give you my translation of his. <laughs> when you bring your offering to the altar and you know you've wronged someone, you know you've hurt them. Now this is when he says, when you know you've hurt them, set your offering down, leave it. Go and make it right. Then come back and present your offering. Let me tell you what that says in the small print. I will not receive your tithe. I will not receive your commanded offerings. That is closed off to you. If you can't sow, you can't reap what? If you can't give, it can't be given unto you. Huh? So if you know, if you know you've injured them, Put it down. You can't give it. It won't count. And go and make it right. Now, me making it right doesn't mean they have to accept my forget me asking for forgiveness. Because I've talked to people who said, look, I can't apologize. I'm sorry. I don't care. And finally, when I felt like I did all I could do, balls in their court, I'm a free man. I leave it just like it is. Just because you don't take it don't mean I ain't leaving it. And I can walk back. And I can give. But it didn't say, it didn't say, if someone's injured you. He says there, he says, if someone's hurt you, right where you are, forgive them. It didn't say, if someone's hurt you, go to them. Explain what they've done to you. Or let me say it like this. Go to them and tell them what a mean, terrible person they were to you. 
and how bad they hurt you and put the guilty garment all over them and then walk away. It, it doesn't say, you're not supposed to do that. I used to love it. Well, I didn't love it. People go, preacher, I couldn't stand you about a year and a half ago and this, that, and other. You know, because you said this, you did that. And, but I want you to know I've forgiven you because I know you didn't know any better, man. Praise God, I feel good. Like, Really? Five o'clock in the morning, Lord, help dumb Dan. God, help dumb Dan, Lord, because I just want I wanted to kick him yesterday, God. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, you put that stuff on somebody else. So how it works is, if I've hurt someone and I've become aware of it, doesn't mean you intentionally did it. But if someone was hurt by you and you become aware of it, there's a reasonable amount of time you need to go and make it right. It can bring healing to them to some degree, but it frees you up. And if someone's hurt you, if someone's injured you and caused you to have unforgiveness, you deal with it right there. You don't go to them because the issue is no longer with them. The issue has become between you and him. Do you understand that? You've picked up an offense. Granted, they were mean to you, or they hurt you, or they betrayed you. But that has created an issue between you and God that has to be mended. This issue is secondary. This one is the one that needs to be fixed. And I deal with it with him. They might never know. Do you know how mature it takes you to be, to do it like the word says? So with that, if I master that, I can master anything else. He says, if you, can't, if you don't forgive, I won't hear your prayer. You read the book of Mark. If you don't forgive, I won't hear your prayer. If you don't forgive, I can't take your offering. If you don't forgive, the Bible says you cannot be forgiven. And folks, if you can't be forgiven... And the wages of sin is death. And you can no longer be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. What will continual walking in unforgiveness do to you? It will damn your soul. It will destroy you. It will end you. Even scientists prove this, that Mean people or angry people or unforgiving people live shorter lives. But besides all that, the Bible says there is no way to be forgiven unless I choose to walk in forgiveness. I didn't say it. He said it. He said it in his word. If you can't forgive, then you, you're just not going to be able to be forgiven. God is not mocked. But we try to find all the other things to make me successful in the word of God. But if you can't get through this one, you won't get any of them. I have to take control and be conscious. Make it, I have to make the choice to not believe how I feel and to do what he says in his word. Now I'm 45. I'll be 46 next month. I'm 45 years old. And I've been hurt, man. Folks are just, man, mm-mm. It's a good thing I ain't God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> good thing I ain't God. But y'all ever been there? How many of y'all right now, there is something that you've carried. It's all right. We're not making it But how many of there's something you're carrying right now that is a burden, like I said, of unforgiveness that you're carrying right now? Put your hand up where you might be. Put them up high. Let's see. Don't be afraid. Just put them up. If you put them up, other people that are scared to put them up, put them up too. Come on. Put them up high. Let's see. Put them up there where you can see them. You're carrying it. It's right now. I mean, you want to work it out, but it's tough. See, that's at least, statistics say it's about 75% of the people. You can put them down. But it's at least half the people in here. It doesn't make any, you know what? You're just being normal. You are. Your human nature is kicking in. Because genuinely people hurt you. We get defensive, man. We, we defend ourselves. But we'll injure ourselves if we don't allow healing to come to us. See, of all of you that raised your hand, if you could 
get the burden off of you, would you do what it took to do it? Or at me again. If you could get it off of you, would you want it off of you? How many of y'all want to hold on to it? Some of y'all may as well ask. Some of y'all, y'all want to hold on to it? You can keep it now. You can keep it. You can hold on to it. Just have a nice day with it. Okay? Enjoy yourself. Okay? But if you want to get it off of you, I've told you the things that work. You put the word on that thing. You put the word on the one who offended. And you begin to operate as Jesus would. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He did it at the cross while they were beating him and putting the crown of thorns on him and nailing him, not staple gunning, not duct taping, driving spikes there by 12 inches long, 14 inches long, threw him into a tree. He said, and I quote, Father, forgive them while they're doing it because they don't realize what they're really doing. Do you know that a lot of times when you're, you're offended, that a lot of times they got stats for all this stuff, and it's more than half. It's close to like 80. It wasn't an attend, intended thing. It wasn't intended. It, they didn't mean to. It happened. Oh, they meant to do what they did, but they didn't mean to do it. But it happened. And so over an accident, we put ourselves in danger. In this room, those of you that raised your hands, we're going to pray over you. And it's that time, we're going to let, uh, Walt's going to come and take the offering in a second, but I want to pray with you. And, you know, uh, I say it like this, if that was you, just stand up. If you want me to pray for you, we're going to stand for, pray for you right now. Just stand up if that was you, you want to be prayed for. I'm not going to get you to come down. i not trying to embarrass you. But just identify yourself. Here, we're going to pray. It's not to make you look bad or anything. Listen, I just told you. I didn't tell you half of it. If I told you all of it, you go, oh, Pastor Brian, dog, really? You were that mad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good thing they didn't drive by me when I was backing up my truck. Uh, I didn't see them. <laughs> now, if you feel, if it's necessary, listen, for you to go to someone, make sure it's for the reason that we said, that you hurt them. You hurt them. Maybe you hurt somebody over here and you know you did it now, you're aware of it. Didn't know you did it, didn't mean to. But now there's somebody else that damages you. Just take care of this one. The one where you caused the injury. Don't excuse it. Don't minimize it. It never feels good. I'm sorry that I hurt you about what I said. I shouldn't, you know, I didn't mean to call you fat. I mean, but you are fat. I'm just saying, I didn't mean to call you fat. You're just short for your weight. It ain't going to come out right. That's how it's going to come out. So don't do it. Just, I apologize. You know what? I shouldn't have said that. That was rude. What I said was wrong. I was just joking around, and my joke offended you. (laughs) Well, I might get some of that. My joke offended you, and and I shouldn't have done it. I did it. And don't follow it on the heels of, but this is why. Don't excuse it. Put it out there and leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Then watch what God does with this one over here. That they caused it to you. If I give, maybe it will be given unto me. You can read every other book you want. Chase money, all that stuff. You can't do this. The enemy will always have a bullet that he can take you out with. So I'm going to pray over you. If it's, you're agreeing with it, you just, you just agree along with me. And I'll pray like I'm you. Now, God, I do. I come before you on behalf of these. And I declare, Lord, that on our journey with you, nothing will stop us. Nothing will hinder us. Unforgiveness will not rule in my life. I might not feel the want to yet, God, but I want to. I want to walk in forgiveness towards others. I want to walk in mercy towards others. I want it to be real in me. This burden that I carry, this, the, the piling up of sin, the piling up of, of guilt, the stuff I can't get off of me, God, I want it to be released. And so I choose again to forgive And I will go to the person that I did offend and make it right. 
I pray, God, that you would order my steps in this. Help my words to be soothing and and bring healing in someone. And God, let your word, your spirit bring healing in me. God, teach me how to walk like your son did and to forgive those while they were in the act of killing him. He released them. Let me walk like your son did. Open my eyes that I would see where I offend and that I cause injury that I would not cause it anymore. And help me not just to have moments of forgiveness, but to walk in it, to be forgiveness continually. That I would not pick up anything, any offense. Grow me up like that. In Jesus' name. If I prayed that for you, you'd say amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit ChristianLifeChurch.com.